use that start small iterate thought process to lay out a roadmap, including monitoring your maturity along that roadmap right from the beginning. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Hello, my name is Jay Wright. I'm Managing Director at Actualize and lead to Enterprise Information Management and Government Practices. Today, Joe Molino and I will be having a conversation on enterprise information management, enterprise information governance, critical success factors, and how to get an EIM program started. Prior to starting the conversation, Joe, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Joe Molino, also with Actualize. Uh, And to say I've been in the data space for a long time is an understatement. So I am uh, lucky to have uh, the backing of Jay with respect to enterprise information management and governance. Happy to be here today and share our uh, collective experience. Great, Joe. Well, let's jump right in. Joe, enterprise information management is a broad topic. Can you describe how the industry defines EIM? Well, Gartner and DEMA, the Data Management Association, define it as an integrative discipline for structuring, describing, and governing information assets across organizational and technological boundaries to improve efficiency, promote transparency, and enable business insight. Uh, That's an awful lot of words. But in summary, really, enterprise information management is the ability of an organization to precisely define, easily integrate, and effectively retrieve data for both internal applications and external communication. There are, in the information uh, enterprise information management realm, there are 10 knowledge areas ranging, as you can well imagine, from data quality to metadata to master data management to information security. All of these disciplines surround a core of information governance that knits those knowledge areas together uh, for a holistic management uh, of information program. And like I said, at the core of it is information governance. So while information management in general has all these disciplines discussing how to manage data, at its core, information governance is all about managing the behavior of users using data over that data's life cycle. Whether it's policies or standards or processes or controls that really relate to the behavior of users What we're talking about at its core is the ability to make a cultural change in order to begin to trust data coming from other silos of the business. So we're talking about a cultural change geared to breaking down silos. And on top of that, it's got to be business first. This is a business-driven program where data needs to be viewed as the corporate asset that it is. In your opinion, what are some of the business strategies driving companies to focus on an EIM program? Well, companies are increasingly making decisions based on data. They always have. But what we're seeing is an increase uh, of the use of advanced analytics, whether that's machine learning or whether it's advanced uh, artificial intelligence, 
driving the transformation of businesses towards a more digital future. Uh, that requires, as you can well imagine, an increased reliance on information. That information must be trusted in order to enable what is the essence of what we're trying to do here, which is to create organizational agility. The word pivot is really important. The faster we recognize that we're going down the wrong path, the sooner we can correct that path, the sooner we can move forward. So part of that cultural transformation we were talking about is the embrace of failure as well. And information allows us to simulate a lot of things that can give us those some sort of insights. At the same time, companies are trying to reduce the risk associated with data, uh, reduce the risk of any cost associated with regulatory fines or legislative demands. Privacy and security are basically requiring you to know where someone's data is. Without managing your data, you don't know where John Smith's data is within your organization. And when he asks you to opt out by CCPA, you're kind of stuck. So let's go on top of that, we got data security. Yes, there's an opportunity to reduce cost, but we're reducing costs by reducing risk. And in some companies, it's entirely possible that they can use data to maximize their revenue potential from data. But the problem is data continues to grow daily. It gets bigger and bigger. The attack surface or it gets bigger and bigger. So the reduction of risk is really associated with reducing the exposure of your secured private data. You mentioned earlier, Joe, um, about information governance and formalizing uh, different behavior around, around data. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, absolutely. When you think about uh, managing behavior, we've got, uh, as an example, we need to be able to manage risk, improve the quality, the usability of selected data over the life cycle of our data sets. Uh, we increasingly acquire data from the outside world these days. We use that uh, to retain. Uh, we need to share that data across the enterprise. We need to use that to our benefit. But above all, we need to protect it. Throughout all of that, we have behaviors for protecting data. For instance, classifying data. We need to be able to classify our data in order to be able to apply rules to ensure that it, there is no misuse of that data. For instance, if I have a highly restricted file that could cause significant damage to our, uh, to our business, we need to have behaviors in place to ensure that that data set, that document, that object is classified appropriately such that we can apply data loss prevention rules to ensure it doesn't leave the enterprise improperly. That's an example of just behaviors that we're trying to govern with information governance at the core of information management. As we move forward and we really look at uh, enterprise information governance. There's a lot of things that we can do with it, uh, but I wanted to touch base. If, if you were to identify just a handful of, of goals 
uh, out of the box for for enterprise information governance? What are some that that come to mind? Number one, uh, we talked about it a moment ago, is really trusting your data. The information has to have integrity. Uh, why? Uh, because, again, going back to one of the core principles that we're trying to accomplish here in business today is we need to be flexible. We're heavily, more heavily relying on information. We need to be able to pivot where necessary. In order to do that, we need speed. We need accuracy. We need to trust our data, and we need to be able to prove that it's reliable. So how do we do all of that? We do that with standards. The standards for data will drive trust in that data. It'll also drive the collaboration between business units. If we've got a common vocabulary, again, driven by standards for discussing data, we can improve the collaboration between business units uh, by also using common terms across the enterprise, a common vocabulary. We mentioned earlier classification of documents and uh, other data objects. If we don't have a common set of terms for the classification of documents, we don't have an enterprise-wide perspective that can be shared with enterprise-wide rules effectively. Uh, so we need to be able to map information creation and usage, obviously capture lineage, because the provenance of data is important. I want to know where that data is coming from as part of my ability to be able to trust that data. And top of that, and we talked about compliance earlier, we've got protection, we've got regulations, we've got legislation coming uh, from uh, multiple directions, state, federal, international, when you think about GDPR. So we have compliance also as a significant goal for enterprise information governance. Thank you, Joe. Um, as we know, businesses come in all different shapes, sizes, uh, budgets, different cultures, those type of things. When we're looking at EIG from an operating model perspective, is there a one-size-fits-all or are there different approaches? Um, oh, it would be easy if it was one-size-fits-all, yes. wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> uh, the way we look at it is really just kind of an organizational hierarchy, just like anything else. Uh, the base, uh, what makes enterprise information governance really work are the core roles of stewards and custodians. They're the folks that have a relationship day to day with data. They know the data, they know how it's defined, they know how it's used, they know where it is. Uh, that group then uh, uh, creates the fundamental, the baseline of our organization. Up from there, you've got our senior practitioners that might form an, uh, what we see as an IM council, an information management council. That council, because our stewards and our custodians come from across the enterprise, that IM council then becomes a cross-functional council of senior practitioners who can make decisions on cross-functional data issues. So they're there to do that. And if they can't come to an agreement on a discrepancy of a definition, for instance, for a master data entity, they can then elevate that conversation to that of an IM steering committee, which is typically where executive oversight occurs. What we don't want to do is lose sight of the fact that all of governance from an information perspective requires partners, 
We've got partners in risk, privacy, compliance, information security. Those groups, those partners are our eyes to the outside world. There are eyes to the legislation, to the regulation, to uh, corporate boards, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to the standards bodies, NIST, MISMO, et cetera, uh, that uh, allow us to then facilitate the model through a series of processes of, uh, that involve policies and our standards we mentioned earlier, uh, processes and controls. Yes, as you mentioned, you know, collaboration across business and, and IT is really essential. As we move forward, um, I'd like to get your insights just on some best practices that you'd recommend that the, um, the audience uh, would use when looking at establishing uh, an enterprise information governance function. You want to make sure that you're in alignment with the corporate strategy and direction. That's number one, right? You need to align data and analytics with the desired business outcomes. You want to control the right things. You want to be able to react to your external compliance obligations. Uh, when we were talking earlier about our organizational hierarchy, right, our operating model, what I neglected to uh, mention is the fact that, that we need to be able to scale that. So we have uh, smaller entities, that may be able to do that with a central uh, centralized uh, governance team, or we've seen hub and spoke models as they scale into much larger entities. Why? Because each of those business entities within the larger entity may have their own business strategies and trying to coordinate the data across the enterprise in order to align data and analytics with all of those business outcomes is very important. We need a model of accountability. Who does what? Who is responsible for what? For instance, uh, what, what is the role of a data owner? Uh, when you look at a data domain of customer, for instance, uh, there's got to be somebody within the entity that need, needs to be able to uh, testify to the quality of the customer data set, to the uh, definition of what is a customer. So we want to we want to see that model of accountability in our best practices. And, and again, we're trying to drive really trust-based governance. Uh, we need to be able to value our digital ethics. What do we mean by valuing digital ethics? That's really respect for privacy and confidentiality. It's acting with honesty, integrity, and humility with respect to data. But above all else, and at the foundation of everything we do in governance, we need to think about risk. Information security is a component of risk, one of the highest concerns of risk these days. It sounds all right on right on point, Joe. I guess taking a step back um, and looking at it again from the program EIM program level, uh, what are some factors contributing to an EIM program success in your mind? You know, that's an interesting conversation. We've, we've gone from EIM down to the core of EIG, now back up to EIM, but program is program is program, uh, if I may use that word loosely. And probably the number one factor of success for any 
program, regardless of whether it's business, technology, or, or otherwise, is executive sponsorship and alignment with those business objectives we were talking about earlier. Uh, we need to be able to acknowledge that data has value. It's viewed as a corporate asset because it's leverageable. We talked earlier, how can I make decisions to the benefit of the business if I've got bad data? I've got bad data, I'm making bad decisions. It's as simple as that. So we need to align with our goals, objectives, and strategies at the business level. Executive sponsorship will maintain us as a program. We've seen probably too many times in our careers the fact that they look at governance as a one-and-done, as a project. It is not a project. It's a program led by business with desired business outcomes. Operations, legal, risk, compliance, privacy, these are all business functions that need to be thinking about and acting on this program. This is not a technology uh, initiative. It's a long-term program led by the business. However, that is done in collaboration with technology teams and architecture teams, right? We can't, uh, the business is going to be more successful collaborating with business data technical architectures, with the security technology teams, with automation teams that are geared to uh, uh, RPAs, or robotic process automation, as an example. And at the core, we also need some good tools for governance and data management, and our technology partners are going to support us with those tools. Exactly. Uh, as we discussed, EIM is very, very important uh, for ensuring you have a good handle on your data that is fit for use and secured. But also it enables companies to become more of a data decision-making company uh, that a lot are aspiring to be these days. Can you provide some thoughts on how a company can get an EIM program started that can help support the goals of becoming a data decision-making company? Uh, sure. Let's go back to what we were just discussing as far as executive sponsorship and alignment with the business. Uh, so your first, uh, how do you get started, is what are the business values you're trying to drive? Find the pain points that occur within the business today relative to perhaps poor data. Uh, we've seen uh, examples of our clients in the past uh, sending large checks to the wrong place and then trying to figure out how to back that out of your restate, your financials, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of value in high quality data. Let's find out what those business values are. Start small, iterate quickly and learn. Focus on what the critical data elements are, right? You can use it as a means of managing your scope, demonstrating small scale success. And the easiest place to find your CDEs is to work from the outside in through your reporting mechanism, through your compliance reporting mechanism, through your financial reporting mechanism, through your executive reporting mechanisms. That's where you're going to find the critical data elements that you can manage your scope and demonstrate some small-scale success. Again, going back to the fact that we're looking to develop a long-term program here, use that start small iterate thought process to lay out a roadmap, including monitoring your maturity along that roadmap right from the beginning. What we 
What we often do for clients is create an initial assessment, and then every year or so, uh, they continue to assess themselves along a maturity uh, a model. Uh, build your operating model. Look, first thing, it can be small. It could be five people. It could be two people if necessary. But put an operating model in place that is cross-functional. That's very important here. And ensure you get uh, some basic tools in place. Heck, we've seen these run on Excel spreadsheets if necessary. Do we recommend it? (laughs) Not necessarily, but there's no reason that can't be effective for a very small shop. Very good, Joe. And I think the message is there's never a better time to get started than now. And it can be at all different shapes and sizes and budgets. But we really highly encourage uh, the listeners to really look at the, the scope of what they need to manage, how the data is being used, and start putting some, some programs and some disciplines around them. In closing, Joe and I would like to thank you for listening to the first Actualized Consulting EIM podcast. Hopefully, we provided the listeners some ideas regarding the scope of the EIM program and tips for getting started. Throughout the year, we'll conduct other podcasts focusing on specific components of EIM. John Payne, a member of our EIM practice and the MISMO Data Governance Community of Practice Lead, will also be joining us for some of those discussions. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Joe or me if you have any questions. Again, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizeconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at We look forward to hearing from you.